to Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM, your education and your wellness station. It's NCU 91.1, 91.3, and of course, 91.5. And this evening, we have another intriguing, inspirational, and yes, informative episode lined up just for you. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Thank you so very much for keeping it locked to NCUFM, your education and wellness station. Frequencies 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5 only on your FM dial. Now, I'm so delighted. I'm so pleased and privileged to have in studio with me a consultant gastroenterologist. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know <laughs> what a gastroenterologist does? Well, we're going to be finding out this evening. I'm talking about Dr. Mike Mills, and he has so many portfolios I'm sure, but this evening we're going to be focusing specifically on the colon, yes, colon cancer, and things you need to know. So, Dr. Mills, we're so delighted uh, that you've taken up the invitation. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Healthy and Happy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. And opportunities, blessing. Not a problem at all. So, Doc, first of all, before we get into talking about colon cancer, there must have been something that led you to this uh, <laughs> area of specialization. <laughs> what was it? Gastroenterology is a subspecialty field in internal medicine. Mm -hmm. And so after you finish your first degree, you go through internal medicine, which is looking after all the general systems. That's not pediatrics or surgery or obstetrics. Mm -hmm. And then gastroenterology now focuses on the digestive system. And I think the area that really led me to it was a combination of still doing internal medicine, but also being able to do some procedures. So... Mm. That's doing diagnostic testing, colonoscopy, endoscopy. Um, I like to um, fiddle with technology, and ah. there's also technology involved in GI. Okay. So it's an interesting area. Um, mm -hmm. You're not locked into a theater full time. You still get a chance to, you know, see the outside world from time mm. to time. So Wonderful. it's a nice mix of things. And how long have you been practicing? Um, coming up on 15 years. Oh, wow. That's that's quite a well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's get into it. What is the function of the colon? I mean, I I know probably a layman's definition is it's that long piece of um, <laughs> the, <Tripe>. digest <laughs> the di digestive tract. or Okay, so no, there's some intervening bowl between okay. there. Yes, tell so, us. All right, so well, digestion starts at the mouth. So mm -hmm. you put food in the mouth and mm -hmm. then you chew it up, crush it, swallow it. It goes into the esophagus, mm -hmm. then goes to the stomach mm -hmm. and then to the small intestine and then to the large intestine, which is the colon. Oh, I so see. the large intestine is the last part of the um, digestive system, which mm -hmm. ends in the rectum and then you expel things through the anal margin. So mm -hmm. it's the large bowel or colon. Basically. A lot of times we've heard individuals with the diagnosis colon cancer or even colorectal cancer. Is there a difference? No. So when we speak about colorectal cancer, we're speaking about cancer of the colon, which we just described, mm -hmm. that part of the bowel. And then the rectum, which is really the last part of the colon, is mm -hmm. a specific area. So colorectal speaks to both. Mm -hmm. Colon cancer can be used um, in a more general sense also, mm -hmm. but um, you can speak to rectal cancer, you can speak to colon cancer or colorectal as a mm -hmm. group. But it's pretty much the it's same It's pretty thing. much the same thing. Talk to us about colon cancer. How do we define it? I mean, you've put into perspective the colon, its function. How do we put the two together, colon cancer? What makes the diagnosis? We speak about cancer when we speak about uncontrolled cell growth. So mm -hmm. any part of the body can develop into cancer. Um, the colon itself 
once you have any parts of the colon which are growing outside of the normal body control, that's mm-hmm. what we refer to as colon cancer. So the symptoms would be dependent on which part of the colon is affected, how long it's been there, and um, the effects outside of the colon if it gets, gets a chance to spread elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, um, you want to look at colon cancer or rectal cancer as a preventable condition. And mm-hmm. so part of the discussion really is to raise awareness right. to allow individuals, yes, to know about the symptoms and the risk factors and the mm-hmm. signs of colon cancer, but also to recognize that it's pretty common, but we can do things to reduce the risk of developing mm-hmm. colon cancer. And we're going to be talking about those means to reduce the risk in quite a bit. But before we get there, though, Doc, is colon cancer usually tied to a particular age group? Number one risk factor for colorectal cancer or colon cancer is age. Mm-hmm. So as you get older, mm-hmm. it increases the likelihood of development of colon cancer, which means that everyone has some risk for colon cancer because mm-hmm. both males and females have a colon. Mm-hmm. So age greater than 65 is when we see most cases of colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. It can occur at younger ages as well, but age is a significant risk factor, which means that we will usually sensitize individuals that when you reach a certain age, mm-hmm. if you develop certain symptoms which you know, are ascribed to the colon, mm-hmm. then we'd start to consider that diagnosis more and more. Mm-hmm. What role does genes play in the picture? Genetics also play a significant role in terms of the risk factors for colon cancer. Mm-hmm. We let individuals know that the family history is very important. So you need to know if your mother had colon cancer, father had colon cancer, mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, grandparents, mm-hmm. sisters, brothers. Because the more individuals in your family that have colon cancer, is a greater likelihood that there's something in the genetic profile mm-hmm. which is driving this condition. Mm-hmm. And so individuals may be at increased risk. Genes definitely play a significant role, just like age. Okay. And you can't modify the genes or the age. So that's something you need to pay attention to. So let's get into it. Risk factors. You mentioned getting older. I mean, it's probably the number one risk factor mm-hmm. of developing colon cancer. But is there a way to mitigate against getting it as you age? If I, let's say, decide to exercise and eat healthily, even as I age, would that reduce my chance of getting right. colon so cancer? Lifestyle, definitely a significant mm. uh, modifiable risk factor. So age is not modifiable, unfortunately. Mm. can't mm. do anything about that. <laughs> you will progress. Mm-hmm. So that means that you are at average risk. But there's some modifiable risk factors mm-hmm. in the lifestyle that you can pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So obesity is a significant one. Exercise mm. and eating low-fat foods mm. definitely reduces the risk for colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some dietary habits as well. So having a diet that's very high in fat and very high in processed meat, red meat in particular, mm-hmm. also increases the risk for colorectal cancer. Things like smoking, so any form of tobacco smoking, whether mm-hmm. in small or large quantities, increases the risk. Mm. And also alcohol consumption, so excessive alcohol consumption increases the risk for colorectal cancer as well. There are some med- medical conditions which also increase the risk, which are a little less common which we pay attention to as well. So individuals with a condition known as ulcerative colitis or inflammatory bowel disease, that also increases your risk for colorectal cancer. What about your race? Are black persons more prone to having these kinds of cancers? Yes, so race is a kind of a tricky interplay. There are a number of factors which will determine whether race itself Mm -hmm. um, is the factor or the things associated with race in certain populations, for example, whether Mm. it's access to healthcare or poverty or diet, Mm. that kind of thing. What we do know is that um, the prevalence of colorectal cancer in populations like the United States, for example, 
the black race is associated with a higher incidence of colorectal cancer at a younger age. Mm. And also the outcomes are poorer in African-Americans in that population. Mm -hmm. But if we were to look across the um, general um, population, we'd have to say that the races are affected generally equally for colorectal cancer. Mm -hmm. But within specific populations, there are some factors which may be more peculiar to some races, which would account for them having some differences there. Um, Definitely in... Our population, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty homogenous, we recognize colorectal cancer as being the number three cause of cancer-related death in males and females. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. so for males behind prostate and mm-hmm. um, lung and in females behind cervix and breast, mm-hmm. so colon would be number three for both. Um, it's fairly common in, as cancers go in terms of our prevalence. We're looking at approximately Um, 12 to 15 cases per 100,000 per year. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, good evidence that the incidence of colorectal cancer over time may be changing in our population and other populations also. But definitely race does Mm -hmm. play a role, but um, it's not something that um, we we single out as a a risk factor across the board because it's very prevalent. Mm -hmm. Earlier you mentioned the likelihood of one developing colon cancer if they had a family member, a blood relative who, you know, had the disease before. What role does screening play in the whole scheme of things? When we speak about screening, that's a very important tool to reduce the incidence of colorectal cancer and also to improve the outcomes in individuals who have developed the condition. Mm -hmm. So screening would be doing a type of test to look for either the early stage of the cancer Mm -hmm. or even a stage before the cancer is developed to try and prevent individuals from developing cancer or from having a poor outcome. You said before the cancer developed. So what would be identified? Right. So what we're looking for, especially for colorectal cancer, Mm -hmm. we're looking for a condition known as a colon polyp. Hmm. And a polyp is like a small warty growth inside the colon, which if it develops, we recognize that the majority of cancers, upwards of 80% of them will start as a polyp, hmm. which is not cancer itself, mm-hmm. but if it's recognized early, can be removed from the colon and hence prevent the development of colon cancer. So the screening test is designed to look for this polyp or precancerous stage, mm-hmm. remove it and prevent cancer. Um, even by doing screening and finding cancer, um, we know that you improve the outcomes because you're now picking up cases much earlier. Right. So you're doing a test before you develop any symptoms. We're not waiting for someone to develop signs or symptoms to do mm. one of these screening tests. We usually have a set point that we indicate to individuals that, listen, you need to do your screening test once you reach a certain age. What's the recommendation, the recommended age? The age that we're recommending is 45. Mm -hmm. So once you hit 45 and over, you need to do one of the screening tests for colorectal cancer. This is for individuals who would have also had a family history of it? Right. So this is the recommendation for what we term average risk individuals, which is basically most people. Mm -hmm. So most people are at average risk. Those individuals with a family history of colorectal cancer are at increased risk for colon cancer. Mm -hmm. And so their screening intervals are a little bit different. So average risk individuals, Mm -hmm. meaning you have no specific risk factors apart from maybe age, um, then those individuals you need to start looking at screening from age 45. Mm -hmm. Higher risk individuals, so strong family history or genetic um, conditions or one of the medical conditions like inflammatory bowel disease that we described, Mm -hmm. you need to start doing screening usually 10 years before the youngest individual who was diagnosed previously or mm-hmm. age 45, depending on which one is earlier. Oh, interesting. So if you are 
let's say your mother was diagnosed with colorectal cancer at mm. age 45. Mm -hmm. You would not wait for age 45 to do your screening. 35. You need to do at 35. Interesting. I'm learning a lot. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, you're tuned into the program Healthy and Happy. It is sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM. I'm having a discussion with Dr. Mike Mills, yes, consultant gastroenterologist. We're talking about colon cancer, you know. Um, cancer is, is something that I'm sure has affected, if not you, you know, you who are listening, probably a family member or friend. We all know individuals who would have been affected by this particular disease. So we have looked at, we've looked at the colon, its functions, we've defined colon cancer, we've looked at some of the risk factors, and now we're going to be heading into the signs and symptoms of colon cancer. I can imagine for some, it may sound a little bit scary, Doc. I mean, you speak about mm. this with such ease. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so because, you know, you... Definitely, having yeah. seen it for a while and yeah. understood the way it develops and the steps mm. that can be taken to reduce it, it, right. it kind of helps to be able to discuss it. Have That's you part said of that? the key here to try and educate individuals so that mm. they, they too can recognize what, you know, the colon is all about and not mm. some, you know, mystery Right. part of the body. That's it. So we're creating that awareness. Let's jump into the signs and symptoms of colon cancer. Let's go. Okay, so to understand the signs and symptoms, you definitely need to understand how the colon works. Mm -hmm. So as you said, it's the last part of the digestive system, which means that it's responsible for storing a lot of the waste products mm -hmm. until it's convenient for you to eliminate them. It does this by removing water mm -hmm. from the um, undigested material that you've eaten. Right. So the longer things stay inside the colon is the more water that's absorbed from it and the harder it becomes, which is why you develop constipation if you're not careful after mm -hmm. a while. Now, when you develop colorectal cancer, it will interfere with the normal functioning of that part of the body or the colon. Mm -hmm. So the first sign that individuals usually recognize is some change in their bowel habit. And that change in bowel habit usually is constipation as the first indicator that there is something happening that should not be happening inside the colon. Mm -hmm. So if you're used to going out, let's say every one to two days, you have a bowel action and all of a sudden you're going every three days, every four days, every once a week, you know, that's a change. Mm. It doesn't mean that if you um, had been going out every three days to begin with, mm -hmm. then, you know, that's an issue. It, when there's a change in your normal in your pattern, pattern, then that mm -hmm. indicates that this may be a sign of colon cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so constipation is definitely one thing to look out for. Diarrhea can also be a sign of colorectal cancer. Mm -hmm. um, blood in the stool. So if there's bleeding, it may be an indicator of a cancer of the colon, even though we recognize that most cases of bleeding are not due to colorectal cancer, but are due to very common things like hemorrhoids, Hemorrhoid, for example. Right. But we definitely need to check out the source of the bleeding hold to on. decide. Let's just pause a little bit right there. Uh, you know, sometimes we talk about blood in the stool. Are we talking about a little bit of blood on the on the on the tissue? You know, when you wipe, or is it is it like a lot of blood in the right? In the so here's a key thing: it doesn't matter how much blood. It could be a drop of blood, uh -huh. or it could be pouring blood with clots, right? Or it could even be microscopic blood, which is not visible to you and is only picked up on a lab. When, um, one of your stool tests when you go to the lab. Right. So any amount of blood in the stool needs to be evaluated because it could be an indicator of colorectal cancer. Okay. Now, obviously, the more bleeding you have is the more likely it is to be more advanced. Mm -hmm. But again, it is not a hard and fast and mm -hmm. it must be investigated. Mm -hmm. So constipation, diarrhea, blood in the stool, these are indicators. Abdominal pain, for mm -hmm. example, may be an indicator as well. So depending on which part of the colon is affected, you might have pain in the lower part of the abdomen or mm -hmm. right side, left side. 
up apart. And you may also have indicators depending on where the cancer is spread to. So if it's very late mm. and you have a later presentation, the cancer may spread outside the colon and that organ may then present with signs and symptoms. So mm. if it goes to the liver, for example, which is fairly common, then you may have jaundice mm. or yellowing of the eyes or skin. You mm. may have pain in the area of the liver on the right side mm. and upper part of the abdomen. If it's spread to the lung, you might have shortness of breath mm. or to the bones, you might have bone pain. So it really depends on um, how extensive it is. But the hallmark features that we need people to be aware of would be bleeding, constipation, some change in your bowel habit mm-hmm. and abdominal pain. Unexplained weight loss or fatigue, how does that play? Usually the more advanced stage? Right, so the more advanced. So if it has mm-hmm. spread to involve, for example, um, other parts of the body with your bone marrow being involved, sometimes you may have issues with um, hemoglobin or blood mm-hmm. production, which could cause a low blood count. If there's a lot of bleeding, then your blood count may fall. And so you may have shortness of breath or fatigue because you've had, you know, problems with um, your blood count. Mm-hmm. Weight loss is not specific to colorectal cancer. As you know, most cancers will present with weight loss eventually mm-hmm. because your metabolism is now affected and your nutrition can suffer as well. So these are some of the more indicators of a very far more advanced case, yes. Doc, if we were to try to ascertain a cause for colon cancer, what would you say? Right, so it's not one of the cancers that we have a, a definite cause for. We do know that some of the things we discussed before, like the genetic profile, for example, may be something which you need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the more unusual things like um, excessive alcohol, which could be considered a cause, or smoking, which you know can be considered a specific cause as well. Processed meat, for mm-hmm. example, some of the, the red meats in particular or very heavily smoked meats can be considered to be um, causes, even though the link between them and colorectal cancer is not as strong as some of the other things that we know can cause cancers. So mm-hmm. for the most part, that's why we recommend that everyone be aware of the condition because um, the definite causes are not as well recognized as some of the other cancers and everyone is at average risk for developing colorectal cancer. We've looked at some of the symptoms. But I want us to focus the rest of our discourse on prevention. You indicated earlier that mm-hmm. you can definitely slow it down. So so let's go into some of these lifestyle changes to reduce our risk of colon cancer. Um, I imagine um, dietary changes, eating fruits, vegetables. Definitely. Perhaps? So you definitely want to look at your consumption of foods that are high in fiber. So you want to have more mm-hmm. fiber. Mm-hmm. You want to have more fruits, more vegetables, more water. You want to cut back on your processed foods, processed meat. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that if obesity is a problem, you want to reduce your um, consumption of fatty foods. You want to increase your exercise. You want to make sure you have a healthy diet that's containing a lot of grains and cereals. You want Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're sticking more to um, a more Mediterranean type diet compared Mm -hmm. to a more Western type, high fat, mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. red meat type diet. So that's one definite factor. Alcohol consumption, smoking, mm-hmm. those things you need to eliminate or reduce significantly. Um, there are some other um, modifiers that you can look at. But for the most part, um, lifestyle um, would play a, a significant starting role in reducing your risk for colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. Exercise is another key preventative element there. What's the recommended amount of exercise that we'd need each week? All right, so the exercise recommendation is not specific to colorectal cancer, but you definitely will want to start with 
first of all, getting clearance from your doctor in terms mm-hmm. of the amount of exercise that is um, tolerable for you, depending on your mm-hmm. age and stage and comorbid conditions. Mm-hmm. But f- as a general rule, you want to do at least 30 minutes, five days per week of vigorous exercise, which increases your heart rate above 20% of your resting baseline heart rate. Um, it doesn't have to be as technical as that. You want to build up a light sweat. So if you're walking for 30 minutes, that's mm-hmm. fine. But you want to be a little out of breath so that you're having pauses in your um, sentences when you're trying to speak at the end of it. Or you want to have at least broken a sweat. Mm-hmm. And um, you definitely want to continue this activity for at least five days for the week. Doc, as we wrap up this interview, right, time flies, you know. <laughs> but um, there are many individuals who are listening right now who may be concerned as to whether or not they may be at heightened risk of developing colon cancer because they probably had a family member who had it. There may be individuals who are not quite on the fully adjusting, you know, lifestyle kind of thing, but they want to make that change. What mm-hmm. are your words of encouragement, even as you speak from your standpoint as a specialist in this area, but what are your words of encouragement? to those individuals who are listening to take the necessary steps before it's too late. Okay, so there are a number of things to bear in mind here. First thing is you need to know what your risk profile is. Mm. So looking at your family history to see if there's an increased incidence of colorectal cancer is key. Knowing what your screening options are is key. For colorectal cancer, age 45, definitely you want to go to your doctor and get one of these tests. The first test you could consider is doing a stool test to look Mm. for blood without any symptoms. You can also ask or request a colonoscopy, which is a camera test into the bowel to look for the polyp, which is the precancerous stage, so that can be removed. You could also do a CAT scan or a CT scan of the colon to look for the polyp, which would then need to be removed at colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. These are active steps you can take to reduce the incidence of colorectal cancer. So even though um, we advocate lifestyle changes, we know definitely there are some additional things that should be done to reduce the incidence. When you combine all these things together, it will not completely remove um, the, you know, the presence of colorectal cancer. But we know that you can take active steps to reduce the likelihood that you'll develop colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. And also that if you had developed colorectal cancer, you'll present at an early stage so that you have a wider option um, range for treatments, whether it's medication or surgery or radiotherapy with the best outcome. You know, something just popped into my mind. How accurate are the various screening methods? So the colonoscopy versus the CAT scan you mentioned? Yes, so mm-hmm. the screening methods that we recommend would be the stool fecal occult blood test, which is where your doctor sends you to the lab to check for the presence of microscopic or invisible blood. blood. Mm-hmm. Then the colonoscopy, where we pass a camera through the colon to look for polyps, and then the CT of the colon, which basically does a similar type of thing, but you would need to follow it up with a colonoscopy if they do see any polyps, for example, to be able to remove those polyps. Now, in terms of accuracy across the board, because they're achieving slightly different things, Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult to compare them. We know that we recommend the colonoscopy as a so-called gold standard single test. It Mm -hmm. allows you to detect polyps, which are precancerous, remove those polyps, and also to do sampling if there's a cancer present. Mm -hmm. So it's a single test that will allow you to do everything at once. If you're doing the stool test, it's a good test, but it's picking up blood, which means that the cancer is already there. Mm. So you will not be preventing the cancer in that way. You're mm-hmm. really just looking now to see if you're presenting it at an catching it at an early stage before mm-hmm. you get a chance to actually see anything. So it's still useful because it improves the outcomes. 
The CT is also useful as a test to look for polyps. Mm -hmm. But because you can't do any biopsies at that time, it needs to be followed up with a colonoscopy, as does the stool test, mm -hmm. to be able to now go ahead and either remove polyps or to detect the cancer itself. Dr. Mike Mills, what a way to bring down the curtains here on Healthy and Happy. We thank you so very much for your time. We do appreciate you being here, sharing so much on uh, colon cancer and pretty much creating the, the kind of awareness that our, our listenership, you know, we need to bear in mind. Uh, those of you who would have had a family member uh, diagnosed with the colon cancer, those of you who are wondering whether or not you're on the right path to maintaining a healthy lifestyle, well, this program definitely added to you. Take the necessary steps to ensure that you live a healthy lifestyle. Once again, Doc, thank you so very much. And we welcome you back to Healthy and Happy anytime. Thanks, I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. Good evening to you and your listeners. Not a problem at all. And so, listeners, we want to thank you for keeping it locked to NCUFM 91.13 and 5 right here on your education and, yes, wellness station. Join us next week, same time, same place, for another edition of Healthy and Happy aired right here on this beautiful station. Thanks very much, Elder Vaz, for your time and, of course, your commitment to this program. On behalf of our hardworking production team, I'm Adis Jonas Murphy. I'll see you next week. Say, God, I am your song. Can you just lift him some words of worship in the building right now, everybody? Just, just lift up some words of worship in the house.